0: the canucks no 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 you're listening to halford and bruff
1: turns it over to have kenny malkin at his own line here's malkin drops right circle for Zucker to the net in front for malkin he scores
0: we don't like it, but uh, I'm I'm glad uh, to see the way uh, in the third period that we didn't quit and we kept coming and we you know almost uh, had something at the end. You
1: tried your best and you failed miserably. The lesson is never try. Good morning, Vancouver. Six hundred one on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. It is Halford. It is Broadfoot. It is Sportsnet. Six hundred and fifty. We are coming to you live. From the Kintech Studios in beautiful Fairview Slopes in Vancouver, my co host Jason Bruff, running slightly behind this morning. He'll be joining us in the not too distant future. But fear not, dear listeners, because A Dog and Laddie are both here. Good morning, A Dog. Good morning. And good morning to you, Laddie. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate Dealer today. I mentioned we are coming to you live from the Kintech Studios. In beautiful Fairview slopes in Vancouver. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 1,500 five star Google reviews. Find your perfect fit at kintech.net. We got a big show ahead on a Wednesday. Hump day, right? Huh? Dogs, am I right? Huh? You're yeah. right. Huh? Yeah. All right. Uh, David Amber is going to start the show off at 6 30. He'll be our first guest. Hockey Night in Canada, Sportsnet host. We'll whip around the NHL, look at some of the Canadian teams from last night. And yes, including your Vancouver Canucks. They were in action. We'll talk to David about all that at 6.30. 7.30, we teased this yesterday. Very excited to talk to our 7.30 guest, Jeremy Colleton. He, of course, is the head coach of the Canucks AHL affiliate in Abbotsford. Jeremy will be joining us at 7.30. Talk about the season so far in Abbotsford, what the experience has been like in the AHL relative to his previous NHL experience in Chicago. Lots of questions to ask Jeremy Colton. That'll be coming up at 30, 8 o'clock after a bit of a hiatus. Murph's going to join us. Dan Murphy from and He'll join us on the road, as a matter of fact, as it continues. On for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, we'll talk to Murph about last night's loss in case you missed it. Someone texted in this morning. I think it was Jeremy. That he turned off the game while the Canucks were up 3-0. Didn't check the internet. Didn't check his phone. Went to bed. Woke up this morning just so we could get the score from the Halford and Bruff show. Oh, <laughs> Jeremy, you poor bastard. I'm sorry. It didn't go so well. Five four loss for the Vancouver Canucks last night in Pittsburgh. We'll talk to Murph about that at eight o'clock. So working in reverse. Murph at eight o'clock. Jeremy Calliton at seven thirty. David Amber at six thirty. Six o three. Jason Bruff. Everybody. Oh, good morning. Yeah. Good morning, Jason Bruff. How are you? Uh, I'm I'm well. Good. That's good. Uh, We have four NHL games on the ledger tonight, by the way. Nashville and Toronto is one of the Canadian teams in action. Edmonton is the other one. Uh, They're in Anaheim tonight. Keep an eye on them as they are. They're they're, they're scuttling along, not scuffling, but scuttling along. They're scuffling. Some uh, uh, listener actually tweeted you guys during the show yesterday. I don't know if you saw this. I did not. And they Wikipedia it. And apparently both terms are actually correct. Scuffling. Ooh, development. Yeah, Man. apparently, apparently you can actually technically say both, and it means the same thing in that regard. Interesting. Some listeners are like, you're both right. Well, there you go. Scuffling. How about hmm. scuffling? No, scuffling so now you're making words up. But Bam. you
0: scuttle a ship.
1: Well, yeah, but words can have multiple meanings. Okay. Well, it's, it's like really. how they, they, change, they, they change the definition <laughs> of like literally. It's It's a color, but you also do it to a book. Exactly. They change yeah. the definition of literally to include not Literally. When Literally? did they do that? Uh, about a year ago, I believe Who I read did? the story. Uh, one of the dictionary, one of the major dictionaries, <laughs> added, <laughs> One of the dictionary one of the people. Major dictionaries. Well, there's the two, right? Oxford and Merriam-Webster. I was okay. one of those two. And they added a definition of literally. To I be feel like the So, so,
0: so <laughs> big, wait a minute. Big, 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 dictionary. big dictionary's taking
1: <laughs> so, you for a ride. So the Greg dictionary
0: Gallagher. just gave up. Pretty much. They were like, they were like, there are so many stupid people in this world that use literally wrong that we're just going to change it.
1: Yep, that's pretty much the conclusion. <laughs> that's okay. how that's how the dictionary stays relevant these days, though. They just change things. Yeah, or they just remember when Trump tre- tweeted out "kofivi" and then they're like, let's just put that in the dictionary. Like I don't, nobody knows what it means, <laughs> but we're going to get some sick, sick pub off this one. Uh, we're losing track and we're losing focus here. Four NHL games, eight NBA games, a bunch of soccer games. Today. It's a little bit of a late night on the schedule. But alas, there's plenty to talk about because we need to tell you what happened.
0: Hey, did you guys see the game last night? No. What happened? I missed all the action
1: because I our- was. We know how busy your life can be. What happened? You missed that? You missed that? What happened? I'm going to be brief in my uh, recap here because I feel like for some reason or another, last night's loss, which looked like a lot of other losses that the Canucks have had, they didn't play well, they blew a multi-goal lead, and they gave up a bunch of goals in the process. So you f- I felt like in talking to you last night... Just give the final score. Maybe you were a little bit angrier with this one. Uh, the Canucks were up 3 nothing. That's good. Then they were tied 3-3 at the end of the first period. That's not as good. They lost 5-4 in Pittsburgh. Another game, another multi-goal lead blown, another five goals surrendered. That's the 18th time this season. Yeah, I don't even know. Um, like,
0: I, we we don't need to
1: break these games down. I wanted to talk anymore. about Dustin Tokarski, and I know that Greg wanted to talk about <laughs> Dustin Tokarski. Like, but sure. fine,
0: I will cede the floor to you. I, you know, you don't need to do that. I, you know, sure, in, in a vacuum, if this were a normal season and we were cover, covering a normal hockey team. You could talk about I don't know the Canucks not scoring on the power play and that being the difference in the game. You know they had the five on three. They I think they went over five in total. You could talk about uh, I don't know. You could talk about things that n- normal you know radio shows talk about when they have a normal hockey team to cover. But this is not a normal season and it's and it's not a normal hockey team. Uh, they once again blew a multi-goal lead after Casey DeSmith. Gifted them a three nothing lead. I don't know if Casey DeSmith uh, showed up. I don't know five minutes before the game or something. He forgot he was starting, but mm. he he didn't he didn't look like he was dialed in whatsoever. He was pulled just minutes into the game and replaced by Dustin Tokarski. And and not only were they gifted that three nothing lead, um, and they were. Let's face it. Sure. They were get, he was terrible. He was just absolutely awful. Quite poor. Um, they managed to blow that lead before the first period was even over. Like I, I recognize like there are a bunch of uh, teams that came back from multi-goal deficits just last night, but the extent the Canucks are are doing it, and here's the thing that I think um, is crazy: the Canucks had a three-nothing lead last night, and it was early in the game. And actually, oddly enough, Pittsburgh had kind of carried the play, which is crazy to say. Nobody thought the Canucks were going to protect that lead. Nobody thought that that lead was safe. This was not Spencer Martin's fault. He actually made a number of great saves, and Bruce Boudreaux said as much after the game. The Canucks are verging on, I'm going to call it, clueless defensively. And Bruce Boudreaux said afterward that he just doesn't have an answer why. This is happening. He was asked; it was kind of an odd question, like, "Why do you guys have so much confidence with the puck and then no confidence without
1: it?" And he was just like, "I, I don't know." You know, I'll I, just I, I, I'll, I'll jump in know. because I was trying to clip that little bit of the post game audio. Yeah, but it, was, it was kind it was of was weird, too brief. But the question was: Forty games in, are you any closer to having an answer as to why you guys are so confident with the puck and so uh, lacking confidence without it? And Bruce looked at him. And I think he was almost going to go down the um, explanation road, but then he was just kind of like, I don't have an answer for that. He's done, man. Yeah. Is there a coach out there that
0: could turn this team into even a decent defensive squad? Like if Barry Trotz is out there and he's like, you know, I've done a lot in this game. I've, uh, you know, I took a Nashville team that had almost no offensive talent for years and on, on end. And I, and I turned them into a pretty good team. I, went to Washington and I won the Stanley Cup. I got the Washington Capitals out of the sad club. And then uh, I went to the New York Islanders and I turned them from a dreadful defensive team into one of the best defensive teams in the NHL. I'm looking for a real challenge. Well, the Vancouver Canucks would be it because there just seems to be a complete lack of defensive IQ up and down the lineup. They run around in their own end And when they're not running around, they're puck watching and falling for every fake pass or fake shot in the book. Cross-seam passes are slicing and dicing them like, I don't know, what gets sliced and diced? A pepperoni? Does a pepperoni get sliced and diced? What was the first one? I don't know. When, When they do get the puck, they constantly mismanage it in dangerous areas of the ice. And I'm looking at you, Ilya Mikheyev, last night. Gave the puck away in a dangerous area, and it was in the Penguins' net before the Canucks even knew it. Actually, it Probably was they were like, "Wait a minute! I thought we were on offense now." <laughs> nobody was surprised that they blew the three nothing lead. Absolutely nobody. I hope the Penguins weren't thinking after that like, that game that they had accomplished something special. I hope they weren't sitting there going, "Wow, we came back from three nothing down. It was such a bad start." Really important victory. Like, that for the was team. crazy, guys. Like that should sent like they what they accomplished. Last night is not a huge accomplishment. You already mentioned it. 18 times out of 40 games, the Canucks have surrendered five more goals. That's basically half the games. They've surrendered five or more goals. Yep. It cannot be a winning team in the NHL if you can't defend. Yes, there's more scoring now. But scoring hasn't exploded to the point where a 3 nothing lead is nothing. A three 0 lead is nothing in the NFL. It's a field goal, but this is still hockey. This is still the NHL. Not every game in the NHL is finishing six five. You get gifted a three 0 lead. You know what you got to do at the very least? Get it to overtime.
1: Get a point out of it.
0: Get a point out of it. Now I, I will. I-, I honestly need a. I I I need a bit
1: of a. A break right now from ranting so you need you need a timeout on this team uh, look I need a timeout there's a lot going on in what he just said uh not coincidentally we're going to be talking a lot of coaching on the program today Jeremy Colton the coach of the AHL team in Abbotsford's going to join us at 7 30 uh and it comes a, at a time where a beleaguered Bruce Boudreau that should be how we phrase him from now on Bruce beleaguered Beard Boudreau because he is really um I do wonder if he's entered the... I don't have any answers, so I'm not going to even bother trying to come up with one uh, stage of the proceedings here because right now, the Canucks are the most permissive. Do we want to use that word? The most leaky, the most inept defensive and goaltending team combined in the National Hockey League. Throw some other choices at me, but I, I will maintain... That between the blue line is currently constructed and the goaltending duo is currently comprised, they are the worst defensive slash goaltending team in the NHL. They are giving up five goals with such regularity that it has almost become a predictable punchline. Jason mentioned it. Half the games this year. we I used to joke, and I I don't want to keep this one like Winnipeg radio hit I went on, but I did a Winnipeg radio hit over the holidays. <laughs> I don't know why I keep referencing it. It wasn't all that like, it, memorable. What city was it from? Winnipeg. You were in Winnipeg? Okay, it was Winnipeg. I jokingly said, oh, the, the thing we've come up with the Canucks is they got to score five a night to win. It's not a joke anymore because it's not accurate. They need to score six a night to win. Yeah. Five was underselling it. They, it's It is kind of crazy that this has become the norm. That you said, like, it doesn't, last night, if you want to break down the game in a vacuum, again, once again, God bless all the guys that were working on the broadcast last night because they have to treat that game as if it exists in a vacuum. That game is a single solitary event that you have to break down. What a lead. Ooh, they blew the lead. All the intricacies, whereas we get to come in and say, throw that one on the pile of the 17 other games in which they've given up five goals. They don't look any different. They don't make any difference. They don't feel any different. They don't, honestly. Did last night's game, I know it upset you because you're like, enough's enough maybe. But that game wasn't really all that different from them losing 7-4 to in Winnipeg. Although the score was closer, all the issues were the same. So we got a text in. Why do you
0: guys care once we get rid of some guys, we have a chance at Bedard? I care because I'm disappointed at how far my favorite hockey team has fallen.
1: I feel bad because the coach said prior to the season that missing the playoffs would be a disaster.
0: Well, that I don't think, I mean, for me it's just I I watch this team, this Canucks team and yeah, sure, it, maybe it improves their chances slightly at getting Connor Bedard. So what are their chances of getting Connor Bedard? 6% or something right now? Something along those lines. It's 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 about that. Um I'm disappointed big picture in Again, as as I said, just how far the Canucks have fallen. Mm-hmm. This this whole team is such a mess, and and I think um, one of the things I, I I wanted to talk about on the show is at what point do you have to mercy fire Bruce Boudreaux and just make Mike Yo the the interim coach for the rest of the season?
2: Or Honestly, it,
0: I mean you watch the you watch the Boudreau post game presser after about a minute, he was like, is that it guys? Is was that it? it for, is that it for the questions? And unfortunately for Bruce Boudreaux, there were more questions and he asked, he answered them like a professional, but you know, it, it almost seems cruel to leave this guy in this position. He's he's a beloved guy mm-hmm. around the league. He obviously failed the challenge to bring some structure to this group and he's obviously not coming back next season. So just let him go be done with it. Put a you know yeah, you know, a put a, you know in the Simpsons they have that water drinking bird. Put that water drinking bird behind I get the bench. To, I got someone in charge of it. If Mike Yo doesn't want the gig, it's drinking the water. Yeah, see, like they could all be like, "That's crazy."
1: Mike Yo just keeps going back for more. I
0: don't know. Give Jeff Saturday a call if the Colts move on from him.
1: He's still in the running for the Colts. Jeff. Oh, okay. He's tied well, up.
0: I thought maybe he'd be up for it. You know, maybe he'd be up for the challenge.
1: Maybe there's a local high school coach that we could elevate.
0: Do uh do a fan contest and make the winning fan the coach. But, you know, here's the answer. Put Rip the dog in charge. He seems like a good guy. Everyone seems to like Rip the dog. He's cute. He's, he just, he's just
1: learning this world. He's young. He's got good energy. I don't Probably think he's positive. happy with his penalty kill guys. He's peeing on the bench. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he looks disappointed. But, s- but seriously, guys, Again. I he's mean, puppy. They pee everywhere. at the end of
0: this road trip, why not just? Why not just? I, I, I'm not even saying like fire Bruce Boudreau because he deserves to be fired. Fire him because he seems like a pretty good guy. You know, let him go. The most caust- let him go. The man. most caustic answer. Don't
1: don't let him do this anymore. The most caustic answer. Sadly, and I hate pushing back in this manner, this way, shape, and form, is I probably don't want to pay him. If they're going to lose, and they're not going to have a good season. You may as well let him do it. That's what he's there for. I hate saying this oh, stuff. I think out loud. I think
0: you're probably right. Or or maybe the the. Is it possible, I know this sometimes happens, it might have actually happened with the Indianapolis Colts, they approached one of their um, assistants or offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, someone on the staff and said, do you want the interim job? And he
1: said, no, I don't. Or he said, I do, but I want more money. That was Scott Milanovich. They asked him to be the offensive coordinator slash play caller. Oh, okay. And he said, yeah, but give me more money. And then they were like, ah, go ask someone else to do it. So, so I, Saturday went all the way down the list.
0: So, so I actually don't know how it works if Mike Yo, for example, if they were to give him the interim job, does he get a raise?
1: See, that's an interesting question. Like if
0: money has anything to do with this, yeah. it would be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Because what we're watching right now is – I I, I don't even know what we're watching right now, but we're watching a coach that is in just a, it's a position that makes the organization look bad. Uh, It's in a position that makes um, it just seem really sad every time I, 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 it's got like, do you know how bad it has to be for me to come on the radio? And I don't know, maybe I'm crazy here. Do you guys think I'm right, or do you th- do you think I'm wrong? Text I think you're the- right, but you are also crazy. Yeah, okay, but text into the Dunbar Lumber text line. Why can't how, be how, both? how bad a look is it for Bruce Boudreaux to be just constantly, first of all, not supported by management in their words, um, but also put in this position to answer the same questions over and over and over. In your eyes, has he gotten sadder as the season goes on? Has he looked more hopeless to
1: you? I think he's gotten like, – This is bad. Like he, again, this is a guy that is beloved around the league. I think it's gotten worse for him as the season has gone on, obviously. And now I think he's at the point where, again, I mentioned this after it was the loss of St. Louis, if I'm not mistaken. And he came out and was really hypercritical of his team and blunt and frustrated. But there wasn't the traditional Boudreaux light at the end of the tunnel like, oh, we're going to work at it. We're going to get back tomorrow. It was just dour. And I remember thinking, oh, that's interesting. I wonder where it goes from here. Well, the next day, remember, he came out and said, yeah, it's on me. And I got to be better. And there's things that I can do as a coach. And I almost felt like he was out there doing the things he knew he had to say without really believing the things he had to say. I feel awful for the guy. I feel awful for him because he's tasked with, Improving the defensive prowess of a hockey team. He's known throughout the league as feel good, happy guy Bruce, who helps the offense, helps scorers get on track, boosts the confidence. He's never been this guy. Put Put it this way: when he got, here's how high the bar was for Boudreaux in previous stops. When he got fired in Washington because they were underachieving. The team was 12-9-1. They had a 568 winning percentage. They were above NHL 500. Yet that standard, that style of play, cost him his job in Washington. When he got fired in Minnesota, they had a 535 winning percentage. You were four games above 500. This is a guy that has won and had his teams playing at a level in the NHL where average or mediocre mm-hmm. wasn't good enough. Now, can figure this out. He's in charge of maybe the worst defensive team in the league. They are well below NHL 500. Never mind regular 500, and they are closer to the draft lottery than they are to a playoff spot. And we have people openly texting in, talking about tanking for Bedard. And well, they
0: they are tanking for Bedard just through their play,
1: but they're not going to. They're going to screw this up.
0: <laughs> no, they, I don't know,
1: man. I I, I guarantee know, they're so
0: low right now. That... I
1: guarantee you that they will have this improbable. Run well. They'll, they're going to go eight zero and two, and Demko's going to come back, and they're going to have. Get, they'll get to within six points of the wild card, and people will be like, oh, here it is." I don't know the man. Boudreaux bump. I don't know. Well, hey, I, I will say this: the, the
0: only the only thing that I would agree with that is because there are some other bad teams in the NHL that they'll get some wins over, but at least those teams, for those teams' sake, those teams are intentionally bad. There's no team that's okay. Is there a team out there, maybe I'm missing one, that tried harder than the Canucks to be good and had higher expectations than the Vancouver Canucks that is playing as badly as the Vancouver Canucks? Could you maybe say Columbus just because they went out there and signed Johnny Goudreau? Yep. But even those guys, I don't think they were like, well, we better make the playoffs because they still have such a very young team.
1: They're the only one that's in the conversation.
0: Like Montreal. Montreal. Obviously, is rebuilding. Arizona and Chicago clearly are tanking for Connor Bedard. Mm -hmm. Um, Anaheim. Maybe
1: Ottawa. Maybe Ottawa. Maybe Ottawa. But it's not really. But they're
0: not playing as badly as Ottawa. They're not not playing as
1: badly as Ottawa. Close. (laughs) They're not as. uh, Ottawa's better, but there's only two points between them, and they both have 40 games played. I agree with everything you're saying. I was kind of almost trying to be cute with it, but now I'm not. Like, they'll screw up uh, tanking for Bedard. They will. That's just what this organization does. If there's a path to success, they will somehow find a way to veer off it. They'll go on some improbable like, 10-game win streak to finish off the season. It's just, I just expect it at this point it's going to happen. I they'll, mean, be, they'll be way out of a playoff spot by the final 10 games of the season, and they'll go like 8-2 or something. Like, when you're talking about the mercy firing with Boudreaux, there's a very good chance that Yo could take over, and they could get the new, the dead cat bounce. The new no coach chance. Bounce.
0: There's no Mike Yo bounce.
1: There is a Mike. There's, there's an everybody no, bounce.
0: Didn't he do? Didn't he take over the Flyers last or a few seasons ago? And yeah, was is, they were just as they were even worse. They were like, <laughs> "Hi, I'm Mike Yo." He's like, and everyone in the room was like, "Oh, things must be bad." <laughs>
1: Haven't you been here already half the year? No, I look. It's the tank conversation is entirely separate to this. I I think. Right? They're not designed to tank. There's no stealth tank going on. Nothing about this is intentional. Can we just be clear on that? Nothing about what's going on right now is intentional. Mm-hmm. Boudreaux had a very sympathetic plea at the very end of his media availability last night where he was like, look, these guys really want to win. Like He felt like he needed to explain that. He's like, they're standing up on the bench at the end of the game. Wow, standing trying up on the bench. To, trying to encourage the puck into the net. So just to be clear... None of this is intentional. None of this is meant to be happening the way that it's happening. But here's the thing. It is happening this way. I like this text.
0: They're the kid in PE class trying as hard, running all over the place, sweating profusely, but sucking the whole time. I mean, that is part of the part of the thing when you watch them play defense. They are trying. Yes. They're, they, they just have no idea what they're doing.
1: They're mean? In P.E.? Oh, is that you?
0: Were you that kid? <laughs> oh, yeah. Calm down, oh, Greg. Okay. It's <laughs> soccer. Uh, no, no, I'm- no. But our, our, if you watch them, and, and part of the, you know, when I said, like, they get slice and dice with the cross seam passes, and they fall for every fake shot and fake pass in the book, mm-hmm. part of that is trying too hard. Yes. But also part of that is just either not knowing where you should be in the zone, or just, not being good defensive players How and never having that as part of your DNA. Never like Luke Shen is a good defensive defenseman, right? Mm-hmm. That's kind of been his calling card in in the NHL. Certainly well, hasn't been his offense. Who been- else? Who else on that defense would you consider
1: good defensively? There's no one else. No one. Wait for no a- one. No. No. That's it. It's Luke Shen. It's Luke Shen. I mean, how many times this year have you heard either from Boudreau or someone calling the game or one of the analysts we've had on uh, the phrase trying to do too much? We yeah. hear it all the time, right? Defenseman trying to do too much. Defensemen trying to make a difficult play when the easy one's there. There is something to be said for a team that almost tries too much and too hard and refuses to do the simple, basic things. And I think it's like this big catch-up, pro- like, not, not the actual condiment like catching up exercise where it's like, I got to do something mm-hmm. because we're in such a rut. I have to make a play because we're down a goal or we've blown a three goal lead. Like and that is the mentality in this team right now. And it just, I, you know, th- I will say this. I've, you haven't seen a lot of teams where almost every error, and I mean, every error, every error, every mistake, every bad read, every poor puck management decision right in the back of the net, right in the back of the net. And it's been over and over and over again. And it's very frustrating to watch. And now we're seeing it play out at the head coaching level where you kind of look at the guy and you're like, man, at what point does Bruce Boudreaux reach his breaking point? Where does the organization reach out for him? we got a lot more to get to on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. We're going to whip around uh, all of Canada, check in on some of the other markets, look ahead to some games, look back on some games. All NHL stuff with David Amber, Hockey Night in Canada, NHL Sportsnet host. He's coming up next. Don't go anywhere. This is the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.
0: We'll see. I mean, I, I know the guys at the end; they want to win so bad. I mean, they were all standing up on the bench, and every time the puck went at the net, they're, you know, you're yelling positive stuff and go in, go in. And, and so, I mean, uh, I know they're, they're not giving up or nothing. But I mean, it's, uh, it's. I'm, I'm glad we have a day off uh, in between before the next game. Six thirty-three
1: on a Wednesday. Halford Brav, Sportsnet six fifty. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari Family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. That uh, audio coming back from break. That of course was Canucks head coach Bruce Boudreau after yet another uh, multi-goal lead blown. After yet another game in which the Canucks surrendered five goals. That's the 18th time in 40 games that that's happened. If there's any silver lining. And there's not. If there's any explanation, then there's not. But I'll throw this out anyway because it's on our next guest timeline. David Amber on Twitter points out that last night in the NHL, there was six, six multi-goal leads blown. A seventh, I suppose, if you talk about the Colorado-Florida game, which Colorado went into the third period down 4-1, came back tied at 4-4, but wait, the Panthers came back and won 5-4. So there is something going around the NHL here where no lead is safe. But the Canucks—they they took it to an art form last night. Three goals in the first period, only to exit that first period tied three-three. Joining us now for more uh, NHL Hockey Night Canada Sportsnet host David Amber here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, David. How are you?
2: Good, gentlemen. It feels like Groundhog Day, doesn't it?
1: It really really does. Uh, You know, I I don't want to try and say, well, you can take solace in the fact, or look at what else is going around the NHL, because uh, the Canucks issues aren't just with blowing leads. They just happen to do that in addition to everything else. But it is worth noting that on a night, a very busy night last night, uh, almost every game had a pretty significant lead change. Some of them late, some of them early, but the fact remains in this year where offense has kind of been off the charts and there's been goals scored like crazy. Uh, the the concept or the notion of locking it down after you get a multi-goal lead, that's completely out the window.
2: Yeah, and and listen, the team's much better than Vancouver last night, you know, whether it's Calgary or Minnesota or Carolina blew multi-goal leads. Um, you know, obviously, what's got to be so disturbing for the Canucks fan base and the team, and you just heard Bruce Boudreau, who's basically at a loss of explanation or words for it, is is... <laughs> You know, it's happened so often to the Canucks. It's really been their whole season, right? Like, right from game one, blowing a 3 0 lead against Edmonton to now, that has been the theme. Like, why can't they hold the leads? What's going on? Where's the defensive structure? And I think what's just so unsettling in, in watching that Canucks game last night with Luke Gadzik is, you know, they were getting, the Canucks were getting caved in at times. Like, it was five goals, it could have been more. And, you know, it's just, it's been the theme. This team has really had a hard time defending. It hasn't received the, you know, superlative goaltending that it had received previously from Patrick Demko. And now that he's hurt, you know, clearly goaltending's an issue. And, um, and, and, you know, factor in the way the rules have ch- changed and the league has played now that it's, um, it's a goal scoring league. And, you know, it's a recipe for disaster. If you can't defend very well, and, you know, under this new system of how they call, you know, things and how you're, you can't really be uh, too uh, intrusive in, in trying to stop players coming into your zone and everything else, it's it's a recipe for disaster. And we see that played out time and time again uh, in the Canucks games this year. So um, I'm at a loss. Uh, I'm sure Bruce Boudreaux and the coaching staff's a bit of at a loss. But, you know, obviously the personnel is something that needs to have a, a really long, hard look at. And, and we're, where Vancouver stands defensively.
0: Uh where do you think Barry Trotz will land? I'm not asking that for any reason.
2: <laughs> uh I don't know. I mean, listen, he's been linked to a number of of different teams, uh, potentially as being good suitors for him. You know, he did have that one interview where he mentioned, Oh, it'd be really nice to, you know, be in Canada and be in an original six <laughs> market. I mean you could kind of connect the dots, but uh, the way things have rebounded for Sheldon Keith for the Leafs, uh, you know that's not going to be a fit at, at any time soon. I don't imagine, and and certainly Martin St. Louis not going anywhere in Montreal. You know where would he be a good fit? I, I think with his pedigree, his resume, uh, his coaching style, the respect and credibility he has. Yeah, I mean if, if Vancouver is is thinking about this, which you know has been speculated pretty much all year that Bruce is kind of the dead man walking, then. No, he'd be a, he'd be a fantastic fit in Vancouver. He'd be a fantastic fit anywhere. I mean, I, I you don't really have anyone who says a bad word about his coaching style, and and certainly the results speak for themselves. So, uh, and there is a guy who's all about preaching structure, and you know, defensive responsibility and accountability and all of those things, um, and he does it in a way that seems very receptive to the players. So, yeah, he'd be a fantastic fit, and and I don't know how much rumbling there is about that being a possibility, but. Um, I, I think that would be a, a big, you know, really good step for really any organization that can land him.
0: Can you talk about the job that Sheldon Keith has done in Toronto with getting the Leafs to buy into actual structure? I, I'm not, I'm not saying it's been an overnight thing because I think the idea that the Leafs are bad defensively or just a run and gun team—I mean, that idea went out the door. A couple of years ago but I I still wonder if there's this idea about Toronto that they don't play good defense and if someone does have that idea you should watch one of their games because they're actually quite structured.
2: Yeah he deserves a lot of credit the the team you know really has changed its identity this is you know the first year since Austin Matthews was drafted that they're not I think in the top five or six in goals scored uh, which is obviously their identity as you mentioned and and they're in the top, you know, five, six in, in fewest goals allowed, which is says something. And it's not smoke and mirrors; um, it is a structural way. What's been probably most impressive about the Leafs team this year, from a coaching standpoint, is it's not that the fourth line grind guys are all defending as a five man unit, but when you see Austin Matthews, when you see Mitch Marner, um, you know, John Tavares, when you see their star players really uh, back defending hard, blocking shots, um, You know, battling one-on-one hard uh, to win puck battles uh, in the defensive zone, not sitting there sniffing, saying, oh, I can't wait to get my cookies now. It's, it's defending uh, as a unit. And let's remember, at one point, um, there's been a real attrition on their blue line, right? They had Morgan Riley, TJ Brody, Jake Muzzin, who's been out indefinitely, uh, Jordy Ben. They had four of their top six d out all at the same time, and somehow they were weathering the storm with above-average goaltending. So that helped. The goaltending kind of come down to earth in the last few weeks, but above-average goaltending. But it was more the structure that was really surprising. They weren't giving up a lot of high-danger chances. They weren't giving up a lot of slot shots. They were defending the way that winning teams defend. So a lot of credit is, is certainly uh, deserved to be handed out to Sheldon Keith.
1: We're speaking to Sportsnet's David Amber here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, David, as West Coast media guys, we often say, well, you know, the only time that the Eastern media is going to pay attention to any of these teams out here is when they roll through the East on their annual trip. So the Seattle Kraken have done this, and I don't think the Seattle Kraken could have put forth a better performance to land on the radar of a lot of people that might not normally pay attention to them. They went into Edmonton and beat the Oilers, went into Toronto and beat the Leafs, went into Montreal and beat the the Canadians, and then went into Ottawa and beat the Senators. And then for good measure last night, went into Buffalo, beat the Sabres. So it's now five straight wins on a seven-game road swing. It's really impressive what they've done. I think we actually talked about this when we had you on the show last week, and we were almost saying, well... The thing is, we're not really sure who that star player might be for them. And now we're starting to realize, oh, it's going to be Maddie Beniers, who now scored five goals in five straight games.
2: Yeah, I just – I really don't know what to make of Seattle. And first of all, I, why does everyone out west think everyone out east is so biased? I, I make a real point of, of definitely trying to watch the league as a whole, uh, celebrate the Canucks wins, the Oilers wins, et cetera, the Jets wins, as much as I would celebrate any win from uh, Toronto or Montreal. So I, I take personal, uh, you know, uh, exception to that statement, but I understand the overall belief that, you know, Toronto and blah, blah, blah.
0: But. Well, you got to stay um, up late I, to watch the games. I wouldn't yeah. do that. I'd, I'd be, I'd, I would completely, if I lived in Toronto, I would completely forget about the, the West Coast teams just because I like to get my sleep.
1: Yeah, I remember we, we went back East one time and it was, we were in yeah. Philly and the Canucks were playing the Flyers in Vancouver. And I re- the game started at 10 o'clock, and I was like, this is insanity. Yeah, I don't know how nope. you people do this, <laughs> but I can't deal with
2: this. Uh, well, I'm not going to lie. I'm not staying up for a lot of Sharks-Ducks games. Uh, you yeah, know, okay. when, when a team sort of uh-huh, – Aha, uh, you admit it. Bedard, you admit right? it. We caught you. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Um, but as far as Seattle's concerned, guys, I'm scratching my head, and I keep asking our analysts, are, do we believe in the Kraken? Like, is this really happening? And it's, it's been a mixed bag. Of Some people say, yeah, they remind me of 2018 Vegas, this – you know, team of, of outcasts that have come together and they're galvanized and there's something happening and they come at you in waves and they skate and blah, 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 And then there's some who go, no, I don't, I don't buy into it. Their PK, just like Vancouver, their PK is horrific. Their save percentage is really bad. Uh, their shooting percentage is near the top of the league. It's a little bit of smoke and mirrors. They're a very good five on five team and they have seem to have been incredibly timely in their scoring. Um, so whether this is something that's sustainable or not, I mean, that's the big question, right? Like, can the Seattle Kraken continue to have these sort of metrics, but still find a way to win? The one thing I'll say about them is I kind of identify them. You said there's no stars. and am not even here. Certainly is a star in the making. I a hundred percent agreed on that. They kind of strike me as a team with four second or third lines. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't have a first line clearly. And they only have a fourth line. That all the guys are good and serviceable. They're scoring by committee. They're, I think, third in the league in goals for guys. Like, it's unbelievable. They've had three eight-goal games this year. Think about that. Yeah. You know, like, that's nuts. So, it's pretty cool what we're seeing. I'm still a little bit divided on whether this is sustainable or not. I just, you know, Martin Jones, who I know is a local guy for you guys, uh, you know, Kudos, he's making big saves at big times, so I think it's, underlying numbers are still not fantastic and i wonder if things are going to sort of come back to, to middle ground and and the roof could cave in i i don't know um you know one thing when ronnie francis talks about the difference in the team this year they added burakovsky uh they added york strand so they added a couple of guys but remember they also had an incredible amount of injuries last year with hanev and yeah. and um schwartz and You know, they had four or five significant injuries last year. So it's like, and they only had Matty Veneers for 10 games. So it's almost like they've redone the whole offense. So that is a fair statement, you know, because last year they just couldn't score. Um, So. You know, I'm a bit on the fence. I'm not really answering your question, but I think it's been really cool to see what they've been able to accomplish so far for the first, you know, half of the season.
1: They are offic- They're the weirdest team in the NHL. Like None of the stuff that happens with them really makes sense, but they did say a lot of the people that covered that team last year said that they were significantly better than their record show. They were getting no goaltending, and they gave up bad goals in almost every single moment. Now it's the inverse, so we'll see if it can mm-hmm. last. Hey, David, thanks a lot for doing this today. We really appreciate it. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy all the games this weekend. We'll do this again next Wednesday.
2: Uh, yeah, I appreciate it. And you threw out that Barry Trotz bomb. Let's see where that lands because that's, uh, that's always a big one.
1: We need a coaching change in the NHL. I can't believe it's no, January 11th. Yeah. We haven't Come on. yet. yeah Come on, coaches. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks, yeah, Dave, David. It's been a shock it's been this long. Take care, fellas. See you, buddy. Thanks. That's David Amber from Sportsnet here on the Halford & Bruce Show on Sportsnet 650. Uh, just a real quick note on the Kraken. They are so much better standing-wise than last year. It's actually shocking. Like, at this time last mm-hmm. year, they had, I think it was twenty four points. They have fifty two right now. They they've built a nice little cushion for them
0: because I'm kind of with David. I don't, I don't know if I think that what they're doing is sustainable. Um, I, I I they've got you know they've got one of the highest, if not the highest PDOs. Yeah. in the NHL, got a high shooting, shooting percentage. percentage. I they're, think it they're is shooting percentage. You because, think sustainable? Well, Explain, look at Greg. their goaltending.
1: It's yeah. been bad. It's right, been yeah. objectively bad, yeah. and they're still winning games. So if they get any kind of goaltending from here on out. Mm-hmm. They don't need to score the they're, way man, they've they're scoring. they're scoring. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the, st- I out. was
0: just going to say the standings in, in in the Western Conference continue to get more and more interesting. Um, just because of the Colorado factor for me. Like Colorado is two points back of the second card spot now. And granted, they've got three games in hand on Edmonton and Calgary and also St. Louis, which is now tied with Edmonton. Nashville's in there as well. So there's kind of all these teams, like, so the final two wild card spots are Calgary and Edmonton. And then there's a group of three, which are all kind of the same, St. Louis, Nashville, and Colorado. Mm-hmm. And then there's a pretty massive hole after that. Yeah. Before you get into the Vancouver, San Jose, Arizona, Anaheim, Chicago. Um, Colorado must be sitting there going, man,
1: like, we are, did they lose again last night? Uh, I think they lost five four to so they were down to Florida four, at to Florida. home at home they were down four one going into the third period they rally and make it four mm-hmm. four but they lost and they lost in regulation so Colorado's kind of getting into this territory where
0: I think you know it's only halfway through the season and there's still some time before the trade deadline but they're not in a good way right now and I just wonder if they're going to want to make a move pretty soon but I also wonder if they're sitting there going. Is it worth it to blow our brains out on a rental right now? Are we going to get healthy? Like, what is the uh,
1: what is the expectation for Landeskog? Uh, the Kucherov. That he's going to be back in time for the playoffs? Yeah. Or that he, I mean, theoretically, right? I I think it's kind of alluding to what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Like, there could be a, an organizational thought that, well, do we really want to bring him back? If... Because the Abs are in a position to contend for a long, long time. Yes, you don't want to, don't said, blow your brains out for this year. Where exactly. You're like, Expend huge draft capital and maybe put, bring a guy back from injury. but
0: And you're not really, in your minds, in a position to be a Stanley Cup contender. I which would know. be crazy to say about the apps. Yeah,
1: I don't know if they're wired like that collectively. I mean, because Well, I think they're some... wired to look at the big picture. Well, big... I think they're, they're wired to look long-term. Big picture, I would say this first half of the season for us, we got a huge gift because the the bottom half of that Western Conference playoff chase has been underwhelming at best. The fact that they are one point out, mm-hmm. given how uh, inconsistent and how injured they've been, I would say someone in that organization is probably looking at it and saying, "Hey, we got thrown a lifeline because Calgary's been underwhelming, Edmonton's been underwhelming, St. Louis has been underwhelming."
0: Have people noticed that Nashville is one of the hottest teams in the AHL and I UC did. Saros has is- is playing out of his mind right there's now.
1: Five, they're seven, one, and two in their last 10. They're five, oh, and one in their last six. I think they won again last night. So, they Sar- got the uh,
0: Nashville has a higher points percentage than, um, they have a higher per-
1: points percentage than Calgary, Edmonton, St. Louis, yeah. Colorado. Sorrow set some kind of crazy record that he had 102 saves, uh, in two games over the course of two games because we didn't even. I, did we talk about it? I think we did the 64 save game. That he had, I think you and we I did right. mention that. Yeah. yeah, he followed that up with because we mentioned the Ron Tugnut game too. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. Mm-hmm. So Saros followed that up with a thirty-plus shutout. It's pretty remarkable what he's doing. So that that whole wild card chase, you're kind of seeing. I mean, I know it's still halfway through the season, but I think you're kind of seeing what it's going to end up being. Mm-hmm. Is you're seeing the divide right now? Like you mentioned, there's a big gap between. Colorado and Nashville at forty three and forty four points, and then the rest. Right? right now, six points you can make up. Then that would be the Sharks and the Canucks, et cetera. But you can make it up if you're a good team, and I'm not sure either of those two are. Like I went to that Sharks Canucks game over the Christmas break. I think it was December twenty seventh game, and I remember it being a, a a contest of two very very subpar hockey teams.
0: Did you say you're you're, you're not? Not sure if the Canucks or Sharks are a very good team. I
1: was being facetious. Yeah, yeah, I'm those, pretty sure they are very not good, good teams. Good. They're not very good at all. The and, only and thing the Canucks it, were demonstratively better than the Sharks that night. The Sharks stunk that night. The only thing interesting about the Sharks
0: right now is what they're going to do with a few of their players, whether it's Eric Carlson or Timo Meyer. That's the only interesting thing about the Sharks is what they're going
1: to do with those players. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it. I was yeah. trying. I was trying to think of another one, but. There's nothing. Um, I So all the... But insiders, they're rebuilding. They're re,
0: I mean, they got a new general manager there in in, in Mike Greer, and, yeah. they're, and they're rebuilding.
1: They're selling I mean, off some of their stuff. I'll be fascinated to see if they can move Carlson, because it seems like such a... Yeah. Oh, he's the great litmus test for the gaudy contract, because there's no denying that he's having an amazing season, right? We can all agree on this. Even if it's with the asterisks, like, um, he can kind of do whatever he wants because it's San Jose, and they don't really care. And he gets all the prime opportunities. Like if but he, he also has no help. And he has no help. So his he does cap hit himself. is 11 and a it's half. So, it's such a yeah, huge and there, cap. Hit.
0: And there's four years left on it after this. So I think it's going to be pretty hard to find a taker that um, can. Can handle that whole cap hit, the, the, or is
1: willing to risk taking on that whole cap hit? The financial gymnastics seem overwhelming, right? Like you would have to do so much balancing and mm-hmm. so much retaining. Would you
0: do it for, let's say, you could get the cap hit down to nine million? How much easier is that? If I the Sharks think, are willing to retain, what is it, two and a half million?
1: I think some teams would do it. Yeah, dot dot dot. If they could, mm-hmm. I just don't know who's it has got
0: that to be kind a team space. with a like a with 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 an obvious need for a power play quarterback. Like right. this team just doesn't have a power play. They don't have any guy to run it. Like like the Canucks basically before Quinn Hughes arrived, yeah. they'd be in that situation.
1: Cuz he's not a rental. You're
0: like, "I don't know if Alex Edler's going to be able to get it done."
1: Right? Yeah, like like he's not a rental. Do you remember No, he's not a rental. Do you remember when Washington got Kevin Shattenkirk? This is a very random trade to pull out of nowhere. But the remember- better
0: example would be the Bruins when they got Cabrera. Which was in 2011. Remember how bad their power play was?
1: Yeah, and he didn't And then, ha- and he, didn't and then help he could it. barely play. Yeah. But but the, the Shattenkirk one was more like, he was a luxury for Washington. Remember Washington came in yeah. at the last minute, and they're like, well, we'll take him. If if Carlson was in the last year of his contract, you I think you'd see teams lining up. Well, you'd to also try and get him as a it rental, would open right? the door for a team if there was a player a six or seven million dollar player who goes on LTIR. Yeah, right. You could add right. him for a year and then he's gone. But now there's because Carl- Carlson like you you'd be trying to catch lightning in a bottle. Right? He's having this amazing year. Like he might legitimately get top three Norris contention at this point. I I don't know what the, how that that field's going to play out. But if you were able to you know just capture that moment where he's on the upswing. He'd be an amazing, amazing rental. But it's not that way. You have to take on that gargantuan contract. And that's where Mike Greer finds himself in. is he, he, I mean, I think he'd be crazy to... Pass on any opportunity to move Carlson's contract. Like, yeah, there's, you, know. you they're definitely open to it. Yeah, like you ha- even if you have to retain a fair chunk, it's better than paying it out.
0: Because then, but Carlson's also got the full no move clause, right? I like mean, he controls this situation. You and wouldn't
1: want to get out of San Jose.
0: Well, guys love San Jose, <laughs> Man, dude. Like it's when those guys go Northern to Northern San California, San California, it's pretty nice.
1: Owen Nolan like has a bar I've been to a bunch of times. In San- like he's got a great life mm-hmm. in San Jose. All of them do. The weather's awesome all the time. You can go around and not really be recognized because everyone's like, eh, just leave him alone.
0: It all uh, depends how much he wants to chase that cup. Yeah. Yeah, how much do you want a cup? Right? That's
1: what it comes down to. Everyone likes yeah. playing in San Jose. It's a fun place to play.
0: Uh, here's a good question from Keith the Grip. Okay, after pondering a few things said on yesterday's podcast, here's a topic of conversation. Why is it so difficult currently to find good defensemen? Keith goes on with his text and he, throws out some theories. Okay. Yes, is it development? We've kind of touched this, touched on this on, in the past. For me, I think it's that we expect so much from defensemen now. I think it's a really hard position to play and play it well. I think you're asked to move the puck to be able to to be to have that escapability to make that good first pass to get involved in the offense, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the offensive side. But now we're also seeing, you know, in teams like Vancouver, that it's it's funny. In Vancouver, you're like, wow, they can't move the puck, but they also can't defend. Well, it's a good thing it's not the the third most expensive blue line in the NHL then, because mm-hmm. what do they do well? But to that point, you're asked to all do all this stuff like move the puck, but you're also asked to break up the cycle, and be good penalty killers, and shot block, and know how to get him passing in passing and shooting lanes. We are asking a lot of defensemen in this new NHL. Uh, Ever since they took out the interference and the hooking and the holding, it's made it a lot harder for defensemen. So They're not protected in any way. There's nothing easy about playing defense in the NHL right now. So I think a lot of guys, if you're purely a defensive defenseman, It's hard because you're sitting there going, well, yeah, but you still have to know how to move the puck. And you still have to know how to make a, a good first pass. And as we're seeing in some cases, if you're purely an offensive defenseman, then you're a complete liability in your own end.
1: It's funny that this came in. Apropos of nothing, I was looking at maybe the best team in terms of producing defensemen over the last two decades. The Nashville Predators. Nashville has had countless defensemen come in and it's been almost their uh, organizational identity, including now their best player, their leading scorer and the Norris trophy winner, Roman Yossi. Like they've always been this way. And you know how they've done it is they have spent excessive, excessive draft capital drafting defensemen. now here's the thing. They don't all work out. These guys have wasted first round picks on defensemen like Ryan Parent, Mm-hmm. Remember Jonathan Blum from the from the Vancouver Giants? He was a first round draft pick. Was they've, was Fabro? Fabro was a first round yeah. draft pick. They've they've but they have spent, if you go back and look at their draft record from the day that they've broken into the NHL to now Draft Defenseman. Draft, 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 and draft some more. And then when you've got them, you can trade them for stuff. Mm-hmm. Like Seth Jones or Ryan Ellis. And it's just now here's the thing Nashville, much like the Vancouver Canucks. Not one of Stanley Cup. There is no recipe for success. But if you're asking, how do you get good defensemen, the answer is simple. you got to draft a lot of them.
0: Especially now. You know, I I, I even think it's different from 10 years ago in the league where guys like Dan Hamhuis would reach free agency. Mm -hmm. And the Canucks were able to get a guy that was a good defenseman and also paid a fair price for him. I think teams are recognizing more and more how valuable those guys are. Go look at the pending unrestricted free agents on defense. It is not a pretty list. Jeremy Colleton is going to join us at 7.30. Very much looking forward to that interview, talking with the current head coach of the Abbotsford Canucks. So we've got an open segment at 7 o'clock. We'll get into more news from the world of sports, but we'll also dip into the Dunbar Lumber text line. So text in any questions or comments at 650-650. You're listening to the Alfred and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.